You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. This is Jeff. You're listening to episode 27, A Divided Household Falls. Well, it is a week after Election Day, and there is still a lot going on in the media uh, with questioning and a lot of other things. And uh, last week, I talked with Dr. Daryl Bach about his newest book, Cultural Intelligence, and how to engage with people uh, in a manner that is full of love, grace, and understanding, learning to listen, um, and really how we can engage well. And today, I'm happy to invite uh, my friend Robert back on. He was on episode nine. Uh, And today, Robert and I will be talking about uh, what it means to draw a line in the sand and how many Christians uh, are doing just that whenever someone disagrees with them, uh, especially when it's not an orthodox heart of the faith issue. Uh, The title of today's episode is taken from Luke 11. Uh, When people accuse Jesus of casting out demons uh, by the power of Satan. And so, where is it that we draw the lines in the sand between our own relationships on certain subjects? How far is too far if we are people of reconciliation? If we are ministers of reconciliation, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, Shouldn't we be about unity and relentlessly trying to seek out others instead of happily and quickly dismissing them? As youth workers, we need to be able to give our students clear answers and strategies about how to engage with others and where to truly draw, quote, lines in the sand when it comes to issues. And it's really not that often, if at all. So, Let's go ahead and hop into that conversation with Robert. Robert, man, thank you so much for hopping back on the podcast with me today. Good to see you. Um, tell us how you've been doing uh, since our last conversation a few months ago. Uh, how's it been going with the continuing pandemic and the politically and socially charged atmosphere for you? Uh, it's been good, man. Just been um, really in, enjoying life, enjoying um, the wife, and and um, just trying to make sure I get as much quality time I can get in um, there as well as, um, you know, my real estate, you know, journey is uh, kind of picking up and work has been interesting because I was, you know, saying off, off air, you know, having a lot more conversations at work, leading um, diversity and inclusion groups and conversations. We've been having like about five or six of those, about 65 people averaging those discussions. So just facilitating, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging conversations. And then that's led to um, <laughs> uh, being over some committees and councils at the job, man. So it's just been really, really hectic in that regard, but very rewarding as well. So life is great, man. Yeah, man. Lots of good stuff. Uh, the stuff that's that's really worth it is usually busy and complicated and, and complex, but that's good, man. I'm glad God right. has you in those places. Uh, well, as yeah. I mentioned uh, in the intro, We'll be talking about how to move forward together as brothers and sisters in Christ when there is division among us. 
I just spoke with Daryl Bach last week about how to have difficult conversations. And we went through his new book. Uh, And learning how to have them is something that can be subjective and really take a lifetime to practice. Uh, But what are the issues that as youth workers, whether through teaching directly or demonstrating by action, that we say are worth drawing a line in the sand? Uh, Robert, last time we spoke, it was about the extreme responses people have regarding issues uh, like race, prejudice, and justice. But we spoke in, in, in broad terms uh, regarding the people uh, with those extreme responses. And for this conversation today, uh, we're going to focus on Christians interacting with other Christians. Uh, since it's extremely relevant to what's happening right now, let's talk politics. <laughs> uh, I specifically brought this up with a previous guest, uh, Caitlin, and her book on politics, but it's definitely a thick line in the sand to say one political party is, quote, God's party, and the others are evil. Um, so, Robert, do you think for believers, politics is an area where they cannot maintain relationships with one another if there are differences? Yes, yeah, that's, that's uh, loaded. Um, and um, I think it is interesting to how we we try to attribute one party to um, being God's party. Um, I think that uh, is so, you know, you know, as a as a believer, um, first of all, as not only as a believer, but as a person of color and a person who is a sociology background, um, you know, so in sociology, we study, you know, kind of the ideal and the, you know, what government looks like. And so there's, you know, there's ideologies that I have from a sociological perspective, there's ideologies I have from a humanistic perspective or cultural perspective, but then there's also how I have it, which is in my spiritual, my spiritual belief. And obviously my spirituality trumps all of that as far as how I see politics and, and the role of government and the role of individuals. And, but I think it's so, um, it's very dangerous when we start saying, you know, one is, you know, God's party, because, you know, what happens is, is that, you know, there's no party that is perfect, right? There's no party that has it all down, you know, ha- has it all down. There's, you know, there's holes and government as a whole has holes. And so to say that one is God's party um, you know, causes people who may be on the fence of Christianity, those who may be um, uh, seekers, et cetera, they're looking at the party and they're saying, okay, but what about X, Y, and Z of this party? So does yeah. God represent those things as well? Is God approving of those things? I don't want your God if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's so, it's, it's very difficult to say that. Uh, are there Are there things in both parties that can be attributed to things that align with our spiritual beliefs? Absolutely. Um, uh, But we can't draw a line in the sand and say, this party is God's party and this party is Satan's party. Uh, Because then you have to say that, well, everything involved in that party is representing of God, and that's not the case. And so um, I would never say that one party is God's or not. I would say that there are things inside of one party that may line up more so with my belief systems and things that I still wrestle with. And I, I try to hold people accountable within that party to fix and, or do differently. Uh, But me as an individual, I don't hold to a particular party. I am a 
believer in this world who who votes based upon my belief systems. And sometimes that lead me to one party or another party based upon the candidate and what they're holding as far as um, the things that they believe are important things. And so, um, you know, I would never do a straight ticket, for instance, when I vote. Like I'm I'm all over the place. Sometimes it's a green, it's an independent, it's a Republican, it's a Democrat based upon the issues that I see and what they represent themselves in in, in, in putting forward. And so I have to say that one party is God's party is is uh, I think very naive of us and very uh, it's uh, it's very dangerous of us because, like I said before, people who are seeking God and seeking Christianity and all that, they're looking at that party and say, well, yeah, they got one, two and three down. But four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are things that are contrary, or it attacks me as a human. I don't want to be a part of your God. Then, if that's the case, if that's God's party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, man. Uh, yeah, the trying to to figure out um, just what a political party is based on and depending on who you talk to they'll give you a different answer unfortunately in this post-truth <laughs> right. era where i can find sources that say history is this and this actually happened and this didn't happen um and you know uh recently uh at our church uh the the sermon was going through romans 14 um and mm. just looking at like hey wouldn't it wouldn't it be great if the church could really be an example where people have differences and they enjoy yeah. those differences well, like it makes right, them right. better, you know? And yeah. um, in the news over the, over the last weeks, there are neighbors uh, who have a Trump sign or a Biden sign and they're, and they're friends. Um, right. And I know, I, I know married couples who, uh, the husband and wife are different in in their right. ideologies and and how they vote, um, and so if you see that and you think, you know, how the heck can that be? You know, one one person obviously must be like sh- shutting down and and avoiding everything about their party that that's terrible to have that, and it's like, no, it's like, um, you know, we. I don't think I've ever become someone's friend because of their political beliefs. Um, right. You know, that, that, that comes up in conversation and that might align with some interests, but it's like, Oh, are you this party? Great. Well then I'm going to be your friend. And mm. uh, just being able to make those uh, clarifications and, and distinctions. And, you know, I think, you know, and we're, we're going to get to this in, in our later points, but, you know, drawing a line in the sand uh, is is terminology that far too many people have used lately over things that, man, that's not where you should draw a line in the sand. You know, that's that's a yeah. wrong hill to die on. And you know, politics is it's a people issue. It's not just you know policies. You know, a lot of it affects human beings. And 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 you mentioned the sociology background and the humanist background and being able to say, okay, what's good for the perpetuation of a people of a government government needs mm-hmm. to protect itself but also provide but how much should it provide for you know absolutely a lot of nuances and i think people are getting lost in labels and by not diving into conversation that that's hard and staying there they're letting things like these just tear us apart absolutely and i, and I think like you you know you said it perfectly um you know can you know the, truthfully, I think we all have relationships of people who are different 
you know, ends of the perspective, perspective, um, mm -hmm. uh, or the spectrum, um, you know, and I think that's the beauty of being one, right? Um, that's the beauty of unity is that within, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, leading diversity and, and inclusion um, councils and all that. The one thing that I, I'm trying to get our company to also kind of take a look at is not just diversity and inclusion, but unity. You know, like when we understand unity, we understand that we're 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 a one organization with many departments, right? Every department doesn't do the same exact thing. We have diversity within our departments, and we all function in a way to create a one AP or one organization. And I think that it's also important for us to know that. God is not looking for clones. He's not wanting us to look like, sound like, be like everyone else. If that was the case, we would all have that same, you know, same idea, you know, same look. God wants you to be you. He wants me to be me. He wants me to be the best version of myself um, and do what I can do. Like only I can do it, not do what Jeff can do like Jeff does it. I will never be Jeff, right? And so often what we are looking for is that we want people to look like, sound like, be just like us, and we don't celebrate the unity that comes into the diversity aspect of who we are. So it is, an, it is absolutely imp uh, uh, imperative and possible to be one a one family and have diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of politics. But then it comes to the ideal of, like, for instance, in my in, in my families, um, you know, you know, my family, we have you know a kind of a unified kind of thought process when it comes to politics, et cetera. But then I have a wife, and she has a family, and their family don't think the way I think po politically speaking. Many, you know, like there's diversity there, but majority of them have a certain different you know thought process. Who am I to say that you can't have that thought process? But what we end up doing is someone has to be gracious enough to accept those those opinions and for many years i just kind of held my tongue on some things because it wasn't worth the disunity factor yeah. it wasn't worth causing a breakage in family it was you know let me build relationship in a way where they trust my thought process so when i do speak about certain things it's not looked at as you're trying to do something different or cause harm or whatever. So I think it, it also behooves us as individuals to be gracious in how we approach these topics with individuals of the, the of, of different perspectives, because that can also cause them to either be willing to hear or push the way to just plant their, their, their flags on their heels and, and die on that hill. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it's a, it's a weird, I feel like it's a, a uh, theme that's been coming up over and over again in my conversations, both on the podcast here and and offline, is just you know the attention that the church is called to hold and balance well, because you know following scripture and following who Jesus is and working out that faith and how we approach political things and helping people and approaching people it's never going to fit in one clean mold and uh, you're always going to have people on, on either side or from any view or perspective say that's wrong or that's really wrong or you're twisting that. And that's why we need community. Um, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, as some, someone on Twitter, I think it was a, maybe a DTS prof uh, who said, uh, you know uh, the way that we uh 
get hurt, when we get hurt, it's usually in community, but we also mm. need community to heal. And so yeah. uh, being yeah. able to stay where you're at and with the people who you're around and work those things out makes not only you better, but everyone better because you have new understanding of why they have that perspective, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you can understand why maybe they feel very passionately about some things that you don't think are a big deal and you realize how it affects them more than it might affect you. Um, right, right. And yeah, it just gives us better better understanding. And I feel like a, a practical way to work that out is, is politics. But when it comes to more spiritual things, um, I feel like Christians have been having those kind of arguments much uh, longer than uh, politics. So theology right. is always up for debate and discussion among believers and biblical interpretation and Christian freedom as expressed in Galatians uh, is also something that has been brought up more recently as well. Uh, when it comes to orthodox and historically rooted pillars of the church, the Trinity, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit, th- th- those kind of things, uh, those are certainly places to to draw some lines. Uh, but unfortunately, many have left their churches or lifetime relationships because of second and third tier issues. Now, there are some very important issues in those tiers, and I don't mean to minimize them by saying that they're second or third. It's just that they are not in the uh, context of this is the main thing. This is what the central belief of our faith is. Uh, so Robert, where do you think the lines fall for breaking fellowship with another believer because of certain theological positions or biblical interpretations? Yeah, <laughs> it goes back to the uh, the old um, statement. I think it was uh, Rupert Terce, uh Meldinius, I think his name was. I think most folks give it to Augustine as the credit. But in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, in mm-hmm. all things, um, charity. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you know. To be honest, truth does divide, right? And and a lot of times people say like, you know, you know, let's be truthful. Truth can divide individuals. And I think that it's it's important for us because, you know, there are things that I am very passionate about, scripturally speaking. I believe in, uh, you know, I love God's word. I want to make sure that I, I interpret God's word correctly. And I hold people to interpreting God's word, you know, um, correctly and doing the diligence to to do so. But I also know that I know some great believers. I know some wonderful people that I know are born again people, we have differences of opinions when it comes to certain things scripturally, whether it's because of their their background, they grew up more Pentecostal or they grew up more, whatever the case may be, we have some differences. And so, you know, for me, the line draw, the, the draw, the line in the sand, if you will, or that, that, you know, th- those essentials that we have to have like agreement on is those 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 essentials like you know jesus you know is lord he is the son of god you know faith faith by you know faith uh in jesus christ alone through grace alone you know by faith alone etc uh salvation in christ look like those are the essentials and then the other things you know whether you speak in tongues or not or whether a woman speaks up in church or not or like you know although i have my i have biblical beliefs about those things um it doesn't caused me to like not have fellowship with you because you're different in those opinions um you know you know i think that we have to have safe spaces as well to be able to to wrestle through those topics um 
you know, meeting my friends, you know, it's funny, um, uh, you know, for uh, when I was first kind of born again in the faith and I was in college as an undergrad, I, I, my dad gave me this book and I was wrestling through the tulips. I was wrestling through John Calvin's, you know, total private, unconditional. Like I was wrestling through those different things. And as I wrestled through those things, cause I, you know, we grew up before my dad became another national pastor, we grew up Kojic or Pentecostal. And, you know, he broke away because his understanding of God's word was more enlightened and, and all that. But there was that Armenian kind of, you know, uh, theology that was always present, you know, prevalent there or present. Uh, and as we wrestled through those different things, I was wrestling through, you know, Armenian versus Calvinism. And, and then I started seeing things differently. And so, um, you know, about 10 to 15 years ago, Christian hip hop caught up with John Calvin and this whole, you know, Calvinistic mindset. And so I consider myself more of a moderate Calvinist and my friends who were now wrestling because of Lecrae and everyone else is rapping about it. They became strict Calvinists. And we had many debates about, you know, limited atonement, right? <laughs> like, like, is this, you know, this, this concept. And so, you know, in those things, it was a safe space for us to have that dialogue and to wrestle through those different topics, but yet we was able to maintain friendship. I think what happens is so often is that when we we wrestle with topics and we we, we have these hard, tough debates and discussions, we get in our feelings too often and we start be, start becoming sarcastic or we, we name call. And that's when unity begins to be, be broken. I think that we have to maintain a level of when you're debating or discussing or having these tough conversations to not make, to not to, to keep it from being personal. No, don't have personal attacks on individuals. Let's just wrestle through the topics. Let's, let's work through it, but may but understand what the end goal is. The end goal is that we become more like Jesus, that we love each other more, that we grow in grace, et, et cetera. And so, um, yes, there are topics or biblical interpretations that will lead me to, um, you know, hey, I will love you from afar, right? Or depending upon what those topics are that may cause me to say like, you know, I wrestle with the ideal that you are even a believer because you don't hold to salvation, you know, by this, by these means. So I wrestle with the fact that you may even be a believer. Uh, and what I do in those conversations is I just preach God's word and we continue to move forward. And so um, there are things that can cause a, a, you know, a disunity or a lack of fellowship. Uh, but I think that we have to just maintain charity and love and all those and know that the goal of our instruction, right? The goal of my instructions, love uh, from a sincere heart, uh, faith in a pure conscience. And so I think that that's the key as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that verse in, in Timothy, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, uh, these, these uh, second and third tier issues, uh, if, if you will, and really f- figuring out where to draw those lines and which hills to really die on. And you're only a true Christian if X. Um, and uh, I think for me and uh, you know, for a lot of people that, that I know, um, the, the uh, trickiest, uh, non-essential, if you will, but certainly extremely important, uh, issue is women and, and ministry, you know, uh, mm. because, um, you look at all the examples of God using women in scripture and then the, uh, prohibition texts make it seem like it's, it's just terrible. And, and those are hard to, to wrestle with. And when someone holds a, a view like to one far extreme, like, yes, women shouldn't be involved or doing anything, or they really are, they, they are quote unquote equal, 
but the man is above and they in in some ways seen as like worth more or whatever and you know when we talk about issues like like that um it's very easy and i think rightly so to uh for for women to be able to say you know if you treat this conversation uh lightly and it's like oh it, it doesn't affect me because i, I I'm a man, you know, uh, women that, that can come off and it can seem like people are saying that they're not worthy or they're, they don't mm. really have as much value, um, mm. which is terrible. And I think, uh, whether you're a complementarian or, or e- egalitarian, I would hope that neither, that neither position would want to say that women are worth less. Um, Absolutely. so, you know, it's just wrestling through texts. Um, and kind of like you said, like, I, I know where I land on, on that text. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know people who land on, on both sides and, and, and that's a very hard issue because that one feels like it really is personal. Um, because, hmm. you know, if, 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 uh, God has worked in someone's life and they have something to say, and according to someone's biblical interpretation of that the way they say it has to be a certain way or else it's anti-biblical and it's evil or it's sinful it's like oh man you know that that's a really hard one to just kind of wad something up and throw it to the wall and see if it sticks like it's so much more complicated than that and i think whatever side you you hold to overall more grace needs to be shown to our sisters in christ who are made in god's image and we need to be able to hold these these discussions well and with kindness um, and with love. And, uh, you know, uh, I know people who draw their lines in, in the sand there. And I know that's not an essential thing, but when it comes to feeling attacked and that you're not worthy, I'm kind of not surprised that people draw the lines there, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 That makes, it makes a lot of sense. I think that you know, because it becomes, it, it it does become, it feels personal. Um, um, you know, I have, you know, you know, some, some of the greatest t- biblical teachers that I know and I call um, mentors in the faith, even from afar, have have a extreme view. You know, um, one I know I can speak of in particular is that, you know, women should be silent in church. Um, then you have the other individual say, well, women can be pastors in church. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's like on either side of those, I, I look at those individuals who believe that women should be pastors in church. And I say, Hey, you're a brother. I love you, et cetera. And I believe, I look at the people who say that women can't even speak in church. And I say, I love you. I, you're a brother, et cetera. I have my view and in each in, in, in that, like you said, I show that grace within it. Um, do I believe that women should be, you know, you know, leading or pastors of church? No, I don't, I don't believe that, but I, it doesn't cause me to lose fellowship with someone who is a woman pastor, right? I know many women who are pastors that I love and we're on Facebook together. We talk together. We, we, you know, we, we do fellowship. I go to that church and we do ministry and all different things. Um, I just don't hold to the view that you should be, you know, a, a pastor, et cetera, because of you know, biblical text, et cetera. But in that I show grace and it doesn't cause me to say, you're in total error. So therefore you're going to hell for, for this. And I think, again, it goes back to, is that an essential topic or is that a non-essential topic? And so in the non-essentials, there is that liberty. Um, you know, I want us to all get better. I want us to all understand God's word and to wrestle with God's word correctly, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, 
you know, there are things that I may not know well right now that God hasn't opened my eyes to see. And, you know, once I open my eyes to see, I'll get better at that. Um, and so I think that we, it's, it's all of us. No one is perfect. No one has it, has the corner market locked down as to, hold, you know, to scripture. And no one can say that, you know, come to me for all the answers. I have all the answers. We don't. We need each other. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, showing showing grace is and and love is the most important thing, and that's why I talked about with uh, w- with with Daryl and uh, yeah, I'm that's a great uh, example that you shared. Uh, and yeah, you know, and uh, women have been pastors and clergy members in several evangelical denominations for for mm-hmm. years but it seems like recently it's like no 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 wait that's like that's terrible and that's wrong and it's like <laughs> right. okay but where was this discussion you know a while ago and and you can right. say that cultural tides have made it more to this to the spotlight lately which it, it probably has but also you know if if people are willing to tell other um sisters in christ to quote unquote go home um, and uh, really, like, make this a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, is it just m- saying it to you know, almost like, almost like a politician to invigorate your base and people that you know who who, who agree with you, or is it in the heart and yeah. light of I want to know what you believe and why you believe it? And kind of like you said, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe God needs to open my eyes on, on some things, but. Nevertheless, I still want to approach you with love and have this conversation. Absolutely. Well, I think it's imp- I think it's important for us to to be very cautious and very careful of how we say things, mm-hmm. um, because you know what 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 could be out of your own thinking a a joke or you know a, a, a jovial phrase could very well be something that is spun out of control and be hurtful to other individuals. Yeah. Um, and so, like like go home. You know, I don't I I, I can't tell you you know what. My, my dude was thinking or if it was a joke or not. I, I don't know. I do know his stances on women in ministry. So maybe it was, you know, you can kind of, you know, derive your own opinions from that. But there have been times where I've said things in jest or in joke um, that could be very much so offensive, you know, if it was heard by some individuals. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm even more cautious and careful of how I portray or say things, um, even especially like on social media. I, I try my best to um, be very tactful, sometimes vague in my in my statements so people can attribute, like, like say, for instance, if I have a thought about something, or, you know, like, I'm, you know, let's say I'm thinking about like, you know, homosexual marriages or something like that. Right. And then there is like a recent, you know, you know, surge of this. I may just hold off on posting that because I know that in the context of right now, it's going to cause some type of controversy or hurt someone or whatever. Like, so I'm always thinking about like, how can I say things in a way that is not hurtful or offensive? Now, Truth is truth, whether it's you know whatever the case may be. I I, I don't I don't hold back on speaking biblical truth, uh, but I'm always cautious of how I portray it because you know it's like medication. You know you know kids can take medication, or they can hate medication, or you can package the medication up in a way that they receive the medication and want to re- and, and want to be healed from it. And so a lot of times it's about being skillful. He that when it sows is wise. How can I win the soul versus cause the soul to be 
you know, drawn away or, or, or run away from what I'm trying to convey. And so I think it's always be mindful of how we say things because it can be very offensive or cause people to be device, you know, divisive or the you know, to be divided um, and move on and never hear from us again of all the other rich things that we have to say. But because you was you was distasteful in this one thing, it caused folks to say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with you at all. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, I think that I think what you just said goes back to what you said earlier about truth and truth does divide. Um, And if we have um, the word, which is a sword, right? And uh, it pierces to the heart. um, I think for me, it's uh, it's been like trying to step back and discern, okay, where is it that truth is dividing and where is Satan twisting it? Because Satan, all he wants to do is divide and tear down. And so like, where is this with a heart of love and belief and wanting to discuss and really wanting to convey truth, but in a loving way. And where is it? Well, I'm right. And you're wrong. So get out of here, <laughs> you know? Um, and that, that kind of brings us uh, to our, 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 our last point. Uh, we mentioned some of this earlier, uh, but political issues, you know, are always people issues, and our faith understandably plays plays a big role in that. Uh, recently, and very much unfortunately, the term excommunication has been tossed out several times by a few in the SBC and also in a Gospel Coalition blog post. Uh, basically, anyone who holds to a prominent view or definitely certain views of systematic injustice, varying elements on the implementation of abortion. Uh, And those are two very important things to discuss, no doubt about it. Uh, But then also, as one SBC pastor and professor said, quote, being woke, (laughs) that those things should result in excommunication, and not just from a local church, from the church. Uh, You know, and so... Those are hard and important issues for discussion. And, you know, the uh, as far as being woke, that means something different to everyone. So that's just silly to, to kind of group that in one big thing, um, you know. But are those things as so important as they are? And you can argue that they are or they aren't. But when it comes down to it, are they orthodox issues? Are these things worth permanently being banned from the fellowship of believers and the church? Uh, so, Robert, do you think differences on those subjects, um, or really apart from orthodox, this is the center of our faith subjects should result in automatic, not even like going through Matthew 18, automatic excommunication, as some have recently said? Uh, (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, I think I I haven't even heard of the the SBC um, or the uh, post that was talking about uh, ask communication. I would love to go and check that out because I think that that is just completely silly, as you said earlier as well. I think that that's, you know, think about, you know, Titus 3, you know, he says, as for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice had nothing to do with him. Like the Bible gives us the the the, the prescription for it, you know, for doing nothing with an individual or as communicating, if you will. Um, and it's not from these type of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can look at that in the reverse side and say, well, it seems like you're trying to stir up division. So therefore we shouldn't have anything to do with you. Um, but I think even like you said, you know, Matthew 18 in the, in the biblical text that kept, gives us, you know, consistently of how we should approach sinful issues, sinful things. Um, 
but I think the, the biggest thing we miss out in that is it doesn't cause us to excommunicate, but it causes us to treat them as a non-believer. And how and what do we do with non-believers? The goal for non-believers is that we outreach them. We reach out, we evangelize them, we're we're loving them. It's not to do nothing at all and say nothing to you. It's that we're reaching out for reconciliation because we're trying to reconcile. The ministry of the believer is for reconciliation. Amen. And when there's anyone that is going the a deviant turn, what are we doing to reconcile? And reconciliation also means that it doesn't mean that you have it all together and all figured out and we reconcile. Right. It means that I'm going to stretch across the aisle and reconcile to you. Just like we didn't have it all together and God made himself reconcile to us. Mm-hmm. Like he put himself out there, vulnerable out there to reach out to us who were not all together. And so I think that we, 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 we have a, a erroneous view of scripture and the erroneous view of what it means to be a believer in the body, in the body of Christ. And we have to do a better job of seeking unity and not division. And what we're doing so often is that we're allowing the world system to give us the ideology that everything is about the being divisive versus everything should be about unity. Like let's come together. Let's bring us together because Satan wants nothing more in the divided Christ or divided body of Christ. That's right, man. Yeah. Uh, I love that reconciliation. Our church is actually going through, I guess it's probably pretty timely too. uh, a series on peacemaking, you know, in second Corinthians five, you know, if we are people of the resurrection, then we are ministers of reconciliation. You cannot separate Amen. those two. Amen. And when we were at our worst, when we were spiritually dead, that's when Christ died for us. And so if you are breathing, you are worth the love and attention of us because you're worth the love and attention of Jesus Christ. And so Amen. when it's not something, and even if it is someone wrestling like, I just don't know how I can believe in the Trinity or these things. There's kind of like you said, that's when there's outreach and that's when even more grace should be applied because you're trying to teach and show and guide. Right. And so mm-hmm. you can, you can really be divided uh, with people easily for, for one, but two on a lot of different things and just about even if it's those essential topics the way that you can approach someone to talk about those things is still the the right step to take and i think too quickly uh one because it's so much easier it always is and always has been it's easier to divide and tear down than it is to build um amen and uh and lately i think being able to say well here's the line that i'm placing um, unfortunately, I think it's rooted in selfishness and power and mm. saying, hey, if you're outside of this, then you're not worthy. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it invigorates everyone who's within the lines. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. And man, yeah. it's about ego. It's about power. It's about influence. And, you know, I don't see a lot of sitting at the least honorable seat at the table, as Jesus said. You know, I don't see a lot yeah. of getting down on one knee and meeting people where they're at. It's yeah. it's just about social media quips and uh, sound bites and um, I'm going to toss out the most authoritative whatever statement as harshly and as briefly as I can say it and if you don't agree with it then I cast you out you know and yeah uh, it's it's just it's so much uh, polarization that I think we've attributed to 
politics mainly and and the culture, but it's very much seeping into the church. And when you start throwing around the word excommunication with mm. uh, with all these things and like 99.5% of them aren't even worth the discussion of excommunication. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, as, as Daryl Bach said, you know, everything is now binary. Uh, we have mm. two big political parties and people forget that we have other political parties. Yeah, you might not agree with them, but there are others, but it's either these two. And so this is it, you know, uh, you, you brought up the uh, comparison of Calvinism and Arminianism. And uh, I think uh, it's good to compare things and to wrestle th- w- with things. But uh, if everything in your life is so black and white, right or wrong, mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. or 0%, uh, not not only are you uh, off-putting with your witness to everybody, but really kind of in in yourself, um, you are dividing. And you know that's where I got the title of this episode from Luke when when Jesus was talking to the uh, Pharisees, and, and it's like you know a house divided, you know falls, and uh, we need to be able to realize that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And so right. our words, our actions, how we present ourselves, how, how we live is an example to him. And when we are making everything so cut and dry, yes, there are things in scripture that I do think need to be cut and dry, but how we communicate those, how we talk with anyone or interact with anyone should not be cut and dry. Like the only times I can think of when it should be is like when you're protecting someone from someone who, who wants to kill them, whatever, like that's cut and dry. Like, you know, what is right and wrong in that situation. And even if you're pretty convinced, you know, what's right and wrong, the way you talk to someone, they're not going to care what you have to say if they don't think you care about them in the first place. I think it's, you know, exactly a hundred percent agree. And I think that what happens a lot of times is that we have the mind, but the mind of scholars and not the heart of pastors. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you might not be called a pastor of church, but, Every believer should have a heart of a pastor, heart of a shepherd, heart mm-hmm. to to shepherd people and to cover and influence, et cetera. And what happens when you have the mind of a scholar is that knowledge puffs up, and yeah. and and arrogance is is an, is you know like we become like when when you, when you're just gaining knowledge, you become fat, you become forgetful, you become arrogant, you become tired, forgetful of who you were, forgetful of where God brought you from, forgetful of of His grace and 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 what we're called to do. Arrogant in the sense of I'm prideful and you I know it and you don't know it, and we become sarcastic and become you know everything is about what I believe and that power and and all that. And tired in the sense of you become lazy, mm-hmm. like we want to do the easy route and not the hard things. And I think it's so important for us to begin to understand the heart of the shepherd, the heart of a pastor is that yeah I might know I might have I might be doing the you know uh, being diligent right the binding of the word of truth, but I have a heart to, to, to cover and to love and to show and to be gracious and to be graceful. And so often what we don't do is we, we when we, we gain all this knowledge and we become forgetful, we become arrogant, we become tired, and we're not doing the heart, having the heart of a pastor to shepherd people and to love them and to be gracious with them and to grow in grace with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's so important as well, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, well, bro, thank you for the conversation. It's always great. Uh, I will drop links to your website in the show notes. If you guys have any questions, man, I definitely encourage you to reach out to Robert. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, bro. Uh, praying for you as uh, God uses you and your family well and uh, keeps using you for the advancement of his kingdom. Thanks again, man. Amen. Thanks a lot for having me. That concludes today's episode. 
Thanks again to Robert for joining me. As I mentioned, his website link is in the show notes. So check him out on there. And hey, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you need a realtor, go ahead and check him out for that as well. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And I encourage you to share this episode with anyone who is in ministry, but certainly anyone who is figuring out where to draw the line in the sand, as it were, with their own faith and boundaries and how to engage with people who don't hold those same views, but we are one in Christ together, and so we should seek unity, not unanimity. Uh, You can check out all of my episodes, uh, a list of all my guests, and other uh, organizations that you can partner with and network with for the benefit of your own youth ministry uh, at my website, youthministrymaverick.com. I'm also on social media. If you have any questions about anything or you have some input on what you would like to hear, please reach out to me. I love hearing from my listeners and giving relevant information and talking about things that you need to know and would like to hear about for your own ministry. My episode next week is with Rebecca Carroll from KCBI Christian Radio. So don't miss that one next Tuesday. And don't forget, if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, you get some limited edition swag that you can't get from the store or anywhere else. So send me a screenshot of that review before you submit it, and I'll send it your way. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, adios.